My name is John O'Rourke, a missionary to the Tri-Cities area here in East Tennessee, uh, bringing the gospel to the lost and also using that gospel as the weapon to fight abortion um, through the through God changing the hearts of sinners by making them born again through the means of gospel preaching. Uh, today I'd like to uh, do a little, little podcast on the topic of apologetics specifically on how to have a good conversation with an atheist, um, how to start off a conversation on the street with an atheist when you're trying to do evangelism, and how to get the gospel across to them quickly and effectively by doing apologetics in a way that they understand. So number number one to start off, if, if you've seen any of my other videos, you'll recognize that I am a presuppositional apologist. I use presuppositional apologetics because I believe that's the most faithful to Scripture um, as it starts with the Christian worldview, continues with the Christian worldview, and ends with the Christian worldview. It is Its foundation is on the Word of God, on the Bible, and it doesn't try to start from other authorities to try to validate the Bible. The Bible is self-authenticating, and we can prove the Bible is true by the impossibility of the contrary. In other words, the Bible is true by the impossibility of it not being true. And I'll walk through that a little bit more as I go through this topic. But if you're if you're familiar with presuppositional apologetics, and say you already know how to do it, uh, this video is for you because it will help you explain it to the unbeliever. Um, I believe even Greg Bonson, who is uh, very famous for um, promoting presuppositionalism, even he said the hardest part about presuppositionalism is trying to explain it to an unbeliever so that they understand the arguments. Um, and that's not because unbelievers are, are stupid or anything like that. It's just because people usually don't think about their own worldview and their own presuppositions, um, and that's what we're trying to get them to do. So I'm going to walk through, kind of walk you through a conversation with an atheist and um, kind of show you how you can make it go uh, as smoothly as possible. So number one, uh, when I start doing evangelism with people, as you can look, if you look at the YouTube channel, look at some of the videos where I talk to unbelievers. There's a few atheists I talk to as well, but look at look at any of them. You notice that I always start off with the question, what do you believe will happen after you die? It's a very good question to start with because that will tell you what their worldview is. If you talk to somebody on the street, you don't know if they're an atheist, if they're a Christian, if they're a Muslim or a Mormon or whatever, you just don't know. They're a stranger to you. So asking them what they believe will happen after death is going to be a diagnostic question so you can discern what their worldview is pretty quickly. So if I talk to somebody and I say, what do you think happens after death? And they say, well, I think there's heaven or hell. Okay, well, that gives me a good idea that they are probably some sort of theist and probably some strand of you know, Christian theism. Um, I'd ask them follow-up question like, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God, for example? That's where I would go with that. If somebody said reincarnation, well, you're going you're gonna to have really a variety of options there. But you want to ask them, again, you know, do you believe the existence of God? Um, who is God? These types of questions. But if somebody says, well, I don't believe there's anything after death. I think it's just nothing. I think you die and that's it. And it's a void. 
that's a pretty good indication that they're probably not a theist, that they're probably some form of non-theist. But it's always good to ask them, well, do you believe in the existence of God? There's nothing wrong with asking straight-up questions. If they say, I don't think there's anything after death, and you can say, well, do you believe in the existence of God? And a lot of times, they'll say no. They'll say no. And they say, okay, do you, say, you probably say you're an atheist or some sort of non-theist, agnostic. And they'll say, yeah, I'm one of those. So this is where you go next. You, you discern the person as, a, as an atheist. They don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe in heaven and hell. They don't believe in the Bible. Okay? So you can't just go into the question, like, you can't just say, okay, what, will happen, what would happen when you die and stand before God and he asks you why I should let you into heaven? Um, they're going to say, okay, well, I don't believe in God or heaven. Remember, I just told you I believe nothing happens after death. So it's important to give a good defense of the Christian worldview and give a good defense of Christianity and give them good arguments so that they would be able to believe in the Bible and, and what the Bible says about the afterlife and final judgment and, of course, the gospel and how to be saved. So you have to engage in some apologetics. That would be in defending the faith. So they tell you they don't believe in an afterlife, they don't believe in God. The next question, this is my question that I think is really important to ask. There's two here. Number one, I asked them basically some foundational questions to make sure we're on the same page. Okay, this is very helpful. This will be very helpful for arguments down the line. So the question, first question would be, do you know what a worldview is? Do you know what the word worldview means? That question. A lot of times people will say, I've heard the word. I don't really know how to de define it. No matter what they say, even if they say yes or they say no, you want to define what a worldview is out loud to them together so you're on the same page. You say, well, a worldview is, you know, basically, you know, all human beings live in the same world, but we all interpret the world differently. You know, there's different worldviews. Like if you think about it like lenses in the glasses, if I had red, red lenses in my glasses, I'll see everything with a reddish hue, right? But if you have blue lenses in your glasses, well, you see everything with a bluish hue. See, it's not that everything is red or is blue. It's just that all these things are filtered through our worldview lens. It, will, it filters through it, and we interpret it that way. So when it comes to worldviews, it's not so much that um, there's all these different evidences. It's that we all have the same world. It's just that we interpret it differently. So it really comes down to whether our worldview lenses are correct, whether our worldview is rational or irrational. Because if, if it's an irrational worldview, then we're misinterpreting the evidence in the world, right? If it's an irrational worldview. But if it's a rational worldview, well, then you can interpret the world correctly, right? And they'll say, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, that, absolutely. Okay, then the second question is, okay, do you know what the word arbitrary means? This is important. Do you know what the word arbitrary means? A lot of times they'll say, kind of. <clears throat> Again, whether they say yes or no, you want to define it. You can say arbitrary means believing something without a reason. Believing something for no reason. Believing something just because. And I'd say, you know, being arbitrary then is, is irrational, right? You shouldn't just believe something for no reason, right? That's unreasonable. They say, yeah, of course, Absolutely. So you've established what a worldview is, and then you establish that the worldview can't be arbitrary. So we can't just say, well, this is the way it is just because. <clears throat> that would be irrational. And then you also want to throw in, and of course, you can't be contradictory. You can't you'd be self-contradictory and inconsistent. If a worldview is inconsistent, it's irrational. And they say, yeah, of course, that makes sense. 
So what you've done is you laid this foundation before even talking about Christianity explicitly at all. You've laid the foundation before they even potentially know what your worldview is. They may already, they may not. But you say, you know, worldviews have to abide by these rules, right? They have to. They can't be arbitrary and they can't be inconsistent. And they're going to agree with that because um, they, they're going to say, yeah, these, these religionists, they believe in God for no reason. They're blind faith religionists, which of course is not true. But that's a lot of times what people think. So you want to lay these foundations of what a worldview is, agree on that, agree on that that can't be arbitrary, agree that it can't be inconsistent. If you do that, then, then, then everybody's on the same page. Everybody's playing the same game, so to speak. We're all playing by the same rules. So when you do that, you lay that foundation, then you haven't even started arguing yet. Then you go into your arguments. So you've established what a worldview is and you establish that you can't be arbitrary or inconsistent. Then you go into what's called the preconditions of intelligibility, which are universal morality, universal objective morality, <coughs> laws of logic, and uniformity of nature. And we'll, we'll talk about that here. So the next question I ask people, and I ask it like this, I said, so, you, so in talking about our worldviews, there's certain things that worldviews need to account for in order to make sense of the world. Okay, there's certain things that a worldview needs to account for in order to make sense of the world. So this is what you tell the atheist. There are certain things that we need to account for that our worldviews need to account for in order to make sense of the world. For example, and you give them an example. You say, for example, you and I would probably both agree that it would be immoral if I just went over there and shot that guy, right? And they say, yeah, of course, that'd be really bad. You say, okay, yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. Here's the question. From your worldview... Why do you think it would be immoral for me to do that? <clears throat> That's a very important question. So this is dealing with one of the preconditions of intelligibility, universal objective morality. And the question, again, is why. It's a why question. All these are why questions. Why do you think it would be immoral for me to go shoot that guy or whatever? Give some sort of moral example that we'd both agree on. And they're going to give some sort of answer like, well, we, sh- we should have empathy on people. Okay, of course, look out for them not answering the question. The question is, why should we care about what we do to others? And they just say, well, we should care. You say, yes, I know. I'm glad we already agree on that. Remember, we said we both think it's wrong. My question is, why in your worldview do you think it's wrong? Now, they'll give a bunch of answers, and you're going to learn to see through their answers because none of them, no atheist can give a consistent and rational answer to that question. Um, if they want to engage in relativism, well, it's not. You know, it's it's wrong because we say it's wrong in this country. You say, okay, so do you do you think the Nazis were wrong? They're going to say, well, yeah. I say, okay, well, they thought it was right, though, in that country. Inconsistency in their worldview. Remember, they already agreed that a worldview can't be inconsistent because that's illogical. So when it comes to morality, I won't go into the details right now, right here, but you want to look, look through, <coughs> you know, what they're saying Usually they won't answer the question of why, and if they try, it's not going to be a, a consistent answer. Um, eventually, though, if the atheist is honest, they're going to say, well, I guess I really don't, can't really say why it's wrong. I just know it is wrong. You say, yeah, I know we both agree it's wrong, but your worldview needs to be able to account for this thing. It's pretty basic to human you know, understanding and knowledge of the world to make moral decisions. You make moral decisions every day. But yet you can't tell me why it matters what we do to one another, why it matters. 
you may express outrage at things, but there's really no reason for you to express outrage at, at it. It's really an irrational, you know, position on your part. And then you go into the Christian worldview and say, well, here's how I answer the question. Now, why is it wrong for me to go murder that guy from a Christian worldview? Is, of course, there's God who created all things, who has given the Ten Commandments, which is a summary of his moral law. And, of course, God forbids the murder of human beings. And God has the authority as the creator of me and you to forbid us from doing that. This also makes sense of the fact that all people are bound by this law. It's not relative, but it's universal and objective. Nobody's allowed to murder no matter where they are or who they are, right? <coughs> and that makes a lot of sense in the Christian worldview. Now, from an atheist worldview, of course, they can't account for it. So they're believing, remember, they're believing something is wrong arbitrarily, or in other words, for no reason. So remember, we already established together with the atheists that arbitrariness is not allowed. They agreed to that. That's why it's important to talk about those things first, because now they're trapped in saying, well, I just, I just think it's wrong just because I think it's wrong. It's wrong just because. Now they're being arbitrary. The very thing they said is not allowed, and they're right. It's irrational to believe in something just because. <clears throat> so that's how you can kind of get them. You want to establish the rules first, arbitrary, no arbitrariness, no inconsistencies, what a worldview is, and then you go into the arguments and then they find themselves trapped by the rules, um, which is a good thing. You can go in next, after morality, you can go into uniformity of nature. You, you want to ask them, usually I ask it like this, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but you know, play with me here, it's, a, it's, it's important and, and it's more detailed than you may think, okay? Here's the question. Do you know what happens when you put baking soda and vinegar together? And they say, you know, yes or no. I say, well, you know, it does like a fizzing reaction. Like you put baking soda and vinegar and it kind of bubbles up. They say, okay. Say, well, <clears throat> you know, if I were to pull out baking soda and vinegar and say in five minutes in the future, we are going, we're going to go ahead and put that together, do you think it would fizz? And they're going to say, well, yeah. Say, okay. Why do you think it will fizz in the future? And their answer will be something like, well, we know it will because it's always done that. That's the way science works. It's always been that way in the past. All the laws of physics and chemistry and all that will continue to work as they have in the past. You say, okay, well, we know that they've happened in the past, right? And at least in our experience, we know that these laws happened in the past. But the question is, why do you think these laws of nature will continue to function in the future the way they have in the past? And when you give this illustration, you say, but you can't, you can't say it's going to happen in the future because it's happened in the past when you're arguing from the past to the future because it's actually a logical fallacy of begging the question. It's um, assuming the thing you're supposed to be proven. So basically you can say, what if I told you this, that I'm never going to die in the future? And you say, well, what makes you say that? And I say, well, I've never died in the past. Right? It's a bad argument. Just because I've never died in the past doesn't mean I won't die in the future. Arguing from the past to the future is fallacious. To say baking soda and vinegar will fizz in the future because it happened in the past does not follow logically. That's just assuming that nature will be uniform, not giving a rationale for why nature will continue to be uniform in the future as it has been in the past. And really, that's the only answer the atheists give is that it happened in the past, which, of course, is a violation of the laws of logic. It's inconsistent. It's a logical fallacy. It's not a sound reason. Therefore, it is not, uh, it's not actually accounting for uniformity of nature. So, again, another strike on their worldview is that they're believing that 
nature will be uniform in the future arbitrarily for no good reason. It's irrational. The reason that's so important is that is that uniformity of nature is necessary for knowledge to be possible. For example, how do I know that this table will remain a table in the future as it has in the past? Well, I can't know that from an atheist worldview. They have to accept that by arbitrary blind faith. You know, if you do any sort of any sort of science, whether it's stuff like chemistry or whether it's some basic stuff that's that you learn learn from from experience, like putting your hand on a hot stove. If I put my hand on a hot stove, I know in the past that hurt my hand. But how do I know it will hurt my hand in the future? And remember, you can't say, well, because it hurt your hand in the past. That's a logical fallacy of begging the question. So you don't really know. So it's not just limited to science, like the, the science proper. It's limited to all of physical human experience. All physical human experience is dependent upon uniformity of nature. Everything is sort of to understand for every, everything to remain the way it is, gravity to continue as it has in the past. So the question is, so they, so they don't have a sound answer, and then you have to give, of course, the Christian answer. Well, the Christian worldview, um, we have God, of course, who has given us the Bible. It's God's word. He's the one who created nature, um, and he has promised in his word that nature will remain uniform. And Genesis 8.22, for example, he says that they, you know, seed time and harvest, day and night will not cease. He has pronounced, you know, saying that <laughs> these things will make will say the same, so you can take dominion of the earth and subdue it for God's glory. Um, he even put the stars and the sky and the planets in the sky <coughs> in order for us to be able to um, make calendars and to mark out our months and our days and all these things. Uh, that's uniformity of nature, and he has promised that and put things in place for that for that reason. So uniformity of nature is a promise from God. So again, how do we know nature will be uniform in the future as it has been in the past? Is because God has said so. Just like the reason we know why it's wrong to murder and steal and all sorts of things like that is because God has said so in his word. Now again, from our from the Christian worldview, we're saying that the Bible must be true because if you don't accept the Bible, then you're reduced to arbitrariness, or in other words, you're reduced to irrationality. So when it comes to, can, can an atheist worldview account for, for how we can know things? Can an atheistic worldview account for knowledge? Well, no. An atheistic worldview, if atheism were true and there was no God and God didn't exist and the Bible is not his word, then uh, knowledge would be impossible because uniformity of nature cannot be depended upon. There's no, there's no alternate explanation for why nature will remain uniform as in the future as it has in the past, and therefore we couldn't really know anything at all. When it comes to morality, it's the same type of thing. If atheistic worldview were true, nothing would be right or wrong. There would be no morality because they can't give an explanation in their worldview. Remember, in their worldview, they're thinking there's no God. But in their worldview, they can't give an explanation that's sound for why anything is right or wrong. Right? They have to appeal to the Bible. So why is it then that atheists do know right from wrong and they do believe in uniformity of nature? Well, the thing is, is because they're living in the Christian God's world. They actually are created by him. Their atheism is not true. Christian worldview is true. And they're living in God's world. And therefore, um, when, they, when they function as human beings, um, they're, since they're made in the image of God, they have a God-given conscience. <coughs> so, so they know right from wrong, generally speaking. You know, they understand uniformity of nature because God has put, put that into us. 
but yet in their worldview, they can't account for it. They can't give a rationale for it. So, of course, we're not saying that atheists don't know right from wrong. Uh, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it way wrong. But like I said, most, most atheists will agree that I shouldn't just go up to somebody and shoot them, which is good, because that comes from the Christian worldview. In their worldview, they can't give me a reason why I shouldn't do that, but I can from the Christian worldview because God the Creator has commanded us not to, because it's wrong. So, <coughs> again, from Christian worldview, basically we're saying, in order to make sense of the world and not be arbitrary and not be inconsistent, you must be a Christian and hold to the Christian worldview. If you reject the Christian worldview, you're reduced to arbitrariness in all of your thinking. You believe in stuff for no reason. You believe in morality for no reason. You believe in uniformity of nature for no reason, which means you believe in science for no reason. You have no basis or rationale to believe that science will continue to work, that we can actually learn things as we go. Because we could not depend upon nature being uniform in the future as it has been in the past. So these are very essential things. <laughs> Extremely essential things. And this is the way you can kind of talk to an atheist um, kind of on the street. Is by laying, again, laying those foundations of what is required for a worldview to be true, to be rational. And then that, that we agree upon and then point out that they violate those rules. We say, again, a worldview, which is how we interpret the world, is um, cannot be arbitrary, must be consistent with itself, and then must account for the preconditions of intelligibility like morality and uniformity of nature, as well as laws of logic. Um, so these things, the, the atheist can't account for any of these things. They can't account for morality without just being totally arbitrary. Right? They can't be they can't account for uniformity of nature without being arbitrary and inconsistent. They believe that things are wrong with for no reason. They believe nature is uniform for no reason. They cannot give a reason for this. Therefore they're being arbitrary. And they're violating the rules of a worldview. And they know it because you told them in the beginning what the rules are and they agreed to them. That's a very effective way to talk to do apologetics with an atheist. By laying the foundation of arbitrariness and what worldview is and all that. Because if you ignore that part and you just go into the arguments, they're not going to really understand what you're getting at. Okay, you're going to be off on a rabbit trail for a long time. If you just go into, oh, you don't believe in God, well, why do you think it's wrong to murder? See, they're not going to understand why that matters totally uh, unless you explain to them, well, we have all have worldviews, we all interpret the world differently, right? We don't have different worlds. We live on the same planet, but we have different ways of interpreting it. And, th- and we can't just believe stuff for no reason, right? They're going to say yes, right? So if you lay that foundation, then when they start saying, well, I don't, I don't have a reason to believe murder is wrong. You can say, well, don't you see that how that's arbitrary? They say, well, yeah, I guess it is. So you diffuse the situation because you've already agreed to the rules of the game before you start talking to them. I think that's really important. I think that helps keep things calm and keeps things from getting um, explosive quickly or them getting defensive. Laying those foundations because they're basically agreeing to the rules of the game. And I think that's really, really helpful. <clears throat> so after you do apologetics and, and you show them that their worldview is irrational, you, you want to ask, I really think it's, it's totally fine. I do this every time. Ask them, well, don't you think then if, you, if what you believe about this basic stuff is arbitrary, you have no reason to believe it, that, it, that it's irrational, and don't you think your worldview is kind of irrational then? See what they say. They may say no, but they a lot of times people, I've had atheists tell me yes, that atheism is uh, irrational. 
So, okay. Well, can I just tell you, can I just, you know, just bear with me here. I, I would ask, I would first ask them, well, do you, do you, are you still an atheist? And a lot of times they're going to say yes. A lot of times people will not be convinced on the spot. But they're definitely thinking at this point if they care about truth. Um, so basically, <coughs> I'm going to go in, into the gospel after that. After you've laid it down, you demonstrate that their worldview is irrational, it doesn't mean that they're going to say, wow, I guess I'm not an atheist anymore. Not necessarily. But you would say, listen, I want to talk to you about kind of where I'm coming from. I told you from a Christian worldview, of course, we talked about that. But I want to talk about what Christianity is real quick, just, you know, so we're clear. I want to make sure this comes across clearly to you. Um, just for the sake of argument, just assume that the Bible is true, okay? That there is a God and that there's a heaven and hell, right? And I just go into normal evangelism. Just say, well, you know, if, if you were to die and stand before God, what do you think you should say to him if, if he asked you why, I should let, why he should let you into heaven? And see what they say. They may have no idea. They may have some sort of answer. And just go through. And you say, do you know how good of a person you'd have to be going to the Bible to earn a place in heaven? They're going to say no. They say, well, you have to be perfect. They say, well, nobody's perfect. They say, yeah, man, that's my point. Okay? So we're not good enough. We can't earn it. That sort of thing. Go through the law. Go through how they've lied and stolen and broken the Ten Commandments, just like I have, just like you, the Christian, have. Tell them that you've broken them, too. You don't want to come across as somebody who thinks that they are not a sinner because you are one and you need, you need Jesus too. Then go through the law, talk to them about how God gives justice because he's a good God and that we deserve to go to hell. Then talk about Jesus, how he, how he can take the penalty and the place of sinners on the cross so that justice is being dealt out just on Jesus instead of on the sinner how Jesus kept the law perfectly and how his righteousness is credited to the sinner so that the sinner is seen as righteous in God's sight. Go through the whole thing. Go through you know, faith and repentance. And I'd recommend um, watching any of the evangelism videos that I have here on the YouTube channel. Go and watch one and see me walk through it. See me walk through it with people. Um, <coughs> talk to them about what it means to be born again. I'm not going to go into all this right now because that's for another time and for other videos. This was mainly for the apologetics um, issue on how to keep that um, going well, but with an atheist. But make sure you go to the gospel. If you debate with an atheist and go to the don't give them the gospel, you're wasting your time. You're not being faithful to God. You're not loving them. I don't even know why you're talking to the atheist about this thing. Making somebody question atheism does not save them. Even getting somebody not to be an atheist does not save them. They must be trusting in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. And if you don't tell them the gospel, then they're not going to know how to be saved. Okay, so apologetics um, must always include evangelism. They go together. If you, don't, if you don't give them the gospel, the clear gospel message, like I said, go watch some videos of mine here on, on the YouTube channel and, uh, and see how you can do that effectively and clearly. But you have to do it. So the reason that you're talking to the atheist is not just to argue with them, but it's to give them the gospel. Even if they don't say they're not an atheist, you want to give them all the good arguments first and let them think. And if they still don't agree with you, before you stop talk to, talking to them, make sure you, are, you give them the gospel. And like I said, it's fine to give them the gospel based upon a, the hypothetical agreement that you have. Basically saying, okay, Mr. Atheist, I know you don't agree with me, but just for the sake of argument, just bear with me here. If God exists, the Bible is God's word, and there's a heaven and hell. What do you think will happen? Do you think you'll go to heaven? 
Do you think God will let you into heaven and on what basis? Why should God let you into heaven? Asking them on a hypothetical basis is fine. That way they can they can kind of talk openly with you. And then you give them the gospel. I've talked spoken with atheists who said, wow, I have some Christian relatives, but I never understood Christianity until you explained it that way. That makes a lot of sense. That doesn't mean they're going to be a Christian, but it at least gives them a clear understanding of what the Christian gospel message is. And that's really all you can do. That's, God has to soften the heart, change the heart, and make them born again and save them. But you can give them the gospel clearly. So study up on how to do apologetics. Study up on how to do evangelism. Make sure you know your gospel very well. Make sure you know your Bible very well. And then go and share the faith. If you love unbelievers, that's the thing to do. You don't want them to go to hell, of course. So you want them to be saved. So go out there and share the gospel with them. If they're an atheist, be respectful to them. Be gentle to them. Ask, lay down those foundations of what a worldview is and how it can't be arbitrary or inconsistent. Go through their arguments and then give them the gospel. Offer to meet with them again if it goes well. Offer <coughs> to <coughs> answer any other questions that they may have. Make, try to make disciples. Go in there and give them the gospel, pray for them, and be kind to them, and be loving towards them. It's that simple. So with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up this, this program. So um, if you would, just, again, if you're a Christian, pray for this ministry, pray for the lost that I bring the gospel to, pray that we'll see many, um, many uh, converted, pray that God will convert them and save them from his wrath. And also uh, pray for... Um, our efforts uh, against abortion here in the city of Bristol. If you haven't seen the videos of us at city council, go ahead and check those out on the YouTube channel. And um, again, we just asked for, for your prayers for the success of this ministry, that I'll still have all these opportunities to bring the gospel to people. They'll come across clearly to them and I'll have the strength and boldness to speak to them. So thank you again for, for watching and God bless. Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to receive notifications every time we upload a video. Also, please check out our website, fullarmorministries.org, and become a financial partner with us, because without your financial partnerships, these ministries can't happen. Thanks so much.